to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19. We will read of a brief but incredibly sweet story of our Savior Jesus Christ from verses 13 through 15. Matthew, chapter 19. Now, don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake by thinking that this passage has nothing to do with what's come before. Right? As they say, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in a baby carriage, right? Last week, we talked about marriage. We talked about the union between a husband and a wife. We talked about uh, the implications of the gospel upon those relationships. And today, we come to sweet children, little ones, and we see an incredible love that their Heavenly Father has for them. In Jesus Christ. Would you turn your attention with me then to Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 13. Beloved friends, this is the living and active word of God. Then children were brought to him, that is Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Indeed, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us go to him now in prayer, that he would nourish us this day. Our Heavenly Father, we confess that great theological truth, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We read of your great love for your children here. We pray for the strength, for the hope to trust these words. Give us our dear Savior Jesus, and would we never turn our eyes from him in this life or the next. We ask it in his name. Amen. Well, this morning I uh, got ready, got my shoes on. I didn't tie my tie yet, but I went outside I thought, you know, do I walk? Do I drive? Do I walk? Do I drive? For those of you who don't know, I I live probably 400 feet that way. (laughs) And as I'm having this internal debate with myself, I just, I look to my left and I see my trash can on its side. And all of my trash splayed across my lawn. And I thought to myself, well, I think there's my decision. I'm going to drive today. Because I'm going to have to spend the next however amount of time it would take me to clean up my trash, put it back in the bin, and crank down my bungee cord maybe one more time in hopes that the local bear would leave it alone this time. And while I was picking it up, as you can imagine, in my life with two sweet children at my house, about every third thing I picked up was a diaper. So there I was in my front lawn with a trash bag that I had gotten a clean one, full arm in the trash bag, picking up diaper after diaper after diaper, and about the 500th diaper, it finally hit me. Frustration. Why do we have so many diapers? Why do we have to change these children so often? Why... Am I out here in my suit cleaning up dirty diapers for a second time? 
And then I got to church. And I read over my sermon. And I realized children are not a burden. The problem wasn't the diapers. The problem is the bear. And the law prevents me from doing anything about the bear. (laughs) And so the Lord rebuked me in a kind and loving way. He reoriented my view of my diapers. I should say my kids' diapers. Of the diapers, of the crying, of the screaming, of the kicking, of the laughter. Of the moments of sweetness and joy that children bring to us. We need a passage like this. We need a story like this to help us in our frustration. To help reorient us to the mind of Christ. To reverse our expectations. And this is what Jesus does in Matthew 19. He reverses our expectations and our views of kids. Because he loves them so much. And so deeply. He reverses it from the frustration that we often feel. He reverses even dynamics of how we treat children. And I want to show you the big reversal with three smaller reversals Jesus makes here in Matthew 19. Let's look first at the first reversal that Jesus disciplines the adults, not the kids. Now, all the children in the room, listen to me clearly. You don't get to discipline anybody, right? Instead, you're disciplined by who? The grown ups. Right? The adults. And so this doesn't make any sense. Why would Jesus get to discipline the grown-ups? Nobody disciplines grown-ups. Grown-ups do the discipline. They're the ones who punish people, right? This tells us something very special about Jesus. That Jesus is the boss of the grown-ups. That Jesus gets to discipline the grown-ups when they do something wrong. And here they did something wrong. They did something very wrong. They made a bad assumption. They, They had a bad thought. What was that bad thought? They thought that Jesus was too important for you. They thought his time was too valuable that little children, like the ones in this room, didn't need to approach him, couldn't approach him, should be prohibited from approaching him. In fact, this story in the Gospel of Mark gives us a a view into the emotional state of Jesus when he finds out. Mark says that Jesus was indignant In his book, uh, uh, on the book table, by the way, about children in worship, Jason Holopoulos cites that passage and he says Jesus was incensed. You know what that means? That means he was really, really, really mad. He was really mad, children, because he wanted to see you. He wanted to hold kids just like you. 
and the adults weren't listening. Now, let me tell you something, children. You're told all the time the same thing over and over by your parents, right? Guess what? Jesus has to tell the adults the same thing over and over and over, right? We learned earlier in the last chapter of Matthew that Jesus has already told the adults how important you are. And he goes so far to say, whoever receives a child receives me. This is why Jesus was upset. This is why he was indignant. The adults weren't listening. The adults weren't doing what they were told. And they were trying to stop Jesus from having fun with kids. From playing with kids. This is because the disciples, as we've seen earlier, are too concerned with themselves. That's pretty sad, isn't it? That sometimes grown-ups can be too concerned with themselves. They can be too concerned with who's the greatest, who's the best, who's the one who matters the most. And adults so often tend to think that it's them, that they matter the most. And in thinking that, they ignore Jesus. And so Jesus disciplines them. He punishes them for doing something wrong. He punishes them for thinking that they're better than kids. You know what that means? That means that Jesus is clearly telling the disciples, he's telling the grown-ups, that kids matter more. That they're more important. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus says, the children. Little ones. The ones who can't do anything for themselves. Like go to the bathroom, so you have to pick up diaper after diaper after diaper in your front lawn. Right? This is what Jesus is, is doing. He's reversing the expectation that adults get to discipline the children. By showing us something really important. That most times, the one who's the most childish is the grown-up. It's the adult. And the one who needs discipline more is the adult. This is especially true when they look down on kids. And so what that means is how adults... How grown-ups treat children tells us a lot about how they treat Jesus. It tells us a lot about how they view Jesus. It tells us that if they reject little children as cumbersome or burdensome, as those not worth our time, do you know what they think of Jesus? They think he's burdensome. And not worth their time. Because they're not listening to Jesus. My friends, hear this clear today. How you receive a little one is how you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. How you view children is how you view the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so we have got to pause and to ask ourselves this morning, how are we as a church prioritizing our children? How are we setting aside the time, the energy, and the love for our children? And how can we do better? How can we do better for them? And how can we do better for our Lord Jesus Christ? One of the more immediate ways in which we can do this is we can let them make noise. We can let them express themselves, even in worship. I'll never forget at my grandmother's funeral, my grandmother was a devout Roman Catholic. And there we were in this massive sort of cathedral-type church in Atlanta, very small sort of family gathering. The room swallowed us. And my niece at the time, I think she was under two years old, and she began to cry, as one-year-olds tend to do. And my mom, being the dutiful grandmother, did what most grandmothers would do. She stood up and began to walk out, right? And I will never forget, the Roman Catholic priest stopped what he was doing, and he said, no, no, don't take her out. Because if she can't cry in God's house, where can she? Friends, if our children are not welcome in the presence of God, of the one who loves them, where are they welcome? To whom else shall they go? Where else can they go? Friends, we need to discipline ourselves in our view and in our approach toward our little children. And we need to love them and care for them by the example that Jesus himself gives in rebuking the disciples and telling them in no uncertain terms, do not hinder them. Do not prevent them. Do not prohibit them from coming to Jesus, from coming to God. But that's not the only thing he reverses. He reverses how the, the discipline relationship works by disciplining the adults instead of the kids. But he also reverses the type of relationship that we ought to have with children. Right? Jesus, in, secondly, focuses on the kids instead of the adults. Now, every kid in this room, every adult in this room who's been a kid knows this reality. Right? Thanksgiving rolls around. You show up at your grandparents. And where are the kids told to go? The kid table, right? Which is some folding card table with mismatched chairs and, and napkins that aren't really napkins. They're probably halves of paper towels, right? And it's like, they're going to make a mess. Let's just let them do it on the, the, the least important equipment. Right? But here's the real danger. What do the adults then do? They go to the adult table and focus on the adults. They go to the adult table because 
They expect the adults to be with adults and kids to be with kids. We need to sequester ourselves, apparently, because children are burdens. No? Children are those who don't need that much attention because they're not worth our time. But Jesus reverses this. He says nothing to the adults after the kids show up. The kids come to Jesus and the words of Jesus back to the disciples stop. I think it's incredible that Matthew doesn't record anything else. Because Matthew wasn't there to hear it. The disciples weren't there to hear it because Jesus was surrounded by children. By little ones. And he gave them his undivided attention. He focused completely and totally on them. And I think that tells us something really unique about how Jesus views kids. Jesus views kids as better listeners than the disciples. Jesus gives them undivided and total focus because Jesus is telling them and blessing them with God's love. And the disciples don't need to hear it because, well, they've heard everything else. And what do they keep doing? The wrong thing. And so Jesus doesn't belittle the children. He doesn't look down upon them. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't correct them. He cares for them. He cares for them. Teenagers, how many times have you heard this in your life? Well, you'll understand one day. Right? You'll, you'll see... Just trust me now, you don't get it. It's fine, you're a teenager. Well, here's what they don't tell you, teenagers. That when you turn 32, they don't stop saying it. <laughs> that you'll have a kid and they'll say, oh, well, you'll understand. And then it doesn't stop there, because then you're going to have your first grandchild, and the older generation is still going to say, well, you'll understand when you have grandchildren. Right? It's just this perpetual cycle. Why? Because adults are constantly jostling to be the greatest. To one-up. To be the best. To be better. Jesus doesn't belittle us like that. He doesn't say, you'll understand one day, babies. He gives them a blessing. He gives them love then and there, whether they understand it or not, whether they get it or not. Jesus instead treats children with full respect and full dignity, befitting those made in the image of God, showing an absolute and total joy in the presence of kids, loving them, and playing with them. The reason Jesus focuses on the kids and not the adults is because he wanted to. Jesus wanted to be with children. Friends, do you want to be with children? 
Do you want to love and care for children? Do you want to give them the full attention and focus that Jesus is willing to give them? Because he doesn't just look at them. He doesn't just hold them. But notice that Matthew doesn't really have anything to say about this because clearly this took some time. It's not like sort of this receiving line, right? Where it's like, baby, kiss, see ya. Baby, kiss, see ya, right? No, Jesus is focusing by spending time with them too. And he doesn't say I'm exhausted. He doesn't say my back hurts. He doesn't say anything like that. He gives the children his eyes and his ears. And he's told the disciples why that time is well spent. Did you see that? Look again at the end of verse 14. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is willing to spend this time for children. With children. Because his kingdom is for them. His kingdom is for children. It's kind of like playgrounds, right? You can go to a playground as an adult. That's kind of weird. You could take your kids to the playground. You could go up on the playground. Again, kind of weird, right? Other adults are going to be like, why is he all the way up there, right? The kingdom of heaven is kind of like a playground. Jesus says, it's for kids. It's for children. It's for the ones who don't care what other people think about them. And who are just too much time with my kids. There is not a single human who will admit that. And yet so often we come up with so many excuses, don't we? We come up with all manner of excuses to not focus on the children that God has given to us and to his church. Adults hear me clearly and quickly. Children are not a burden. They are wonderful bundles of blessing and joy that take a lot of time and a lot of energy. <laughs> and they exhaust us and they push us to the limits. It's not to say that it's not hard, but it's not wicked. And it's not worthless to spend time to focus on children. And this leads us to our third reversal. That Jesus blessed the adults through the kids. Now I want everyone to, to, to finally sort of come to grips with this story real quick. What is happening here? Parents are bringing babies to Jesus, not as a politician, but as a savior, as their Messiah, as God in the flesh. And Jesus insists that children be permitted to be brought to him. And he spends time with them, but he doesn't just focus and spend time with them. We're told, verse 15, that he laid his hands on them. That doesn't mean he just held them like some people say, right? He did hold them. We're told that in the other gospel accounts of this story. Of course he held them. But it, it, it actually has a very specific meaning. 
This idea of laying on of hands is, is a very unique thing in the Bible. Okay, and the Bible uses this in a variety of ways. Sometimes Jesus lays his hands on somebody to heal them. Sometimes uh, uh, hands are laid on those who are commissioned for a particular task. We call this ordination. Right? We lay hands on elders and deacons to set them apart for a unique task and role and mission within the life of the church. And sometimes it's as simple as just calming someone down. Laying hands on someone to bring them peace and joy. The Bible records many uses of this for very specific purposes. So what's Jesus' purpose? Why does he lay his hands on them? Why do the gospel writers tell us of this? Well, I think Jesus is doing something both unique and special. Something unique is that Jesus lays his hands on the babies, not because they're panicking and need to be calmed, not because they're sick and need to be healed, not because they're qualified for office and he's putting them in. No, he's setting them apart from other children. Make no mistake what's happening here, friends. Believers are bringing their children to God. And God is setting them apart for his church and his kingdom. Jesus is inviting the children to come to him to preemptively bless them. Not because of what they've done, but because of his mere good and glorious pleasure to bless them. This is what God says in Deuteronomy 7 about the people of Israel. It's not because you're the greatest nation in the world that I chose you. It's not because you're the strongest nation. It's not because you're the most moral nation. We know that's not true. Why does God choose Israel? You remember? Simple. He says, I chose you because I love you. Jesus sets apart the children of believers because he loves them. He blesses them by laying his hands on them as a picture of God's grace. Is there a better picture than that? Of someone who can't do anything, someone who doesn't deserve it, someone who hasn't done anything to merit anything, punishment otherwise, and God just says, I love you. Not because of you, but because of me. Jesus loves the children because this is who Jesus is. And he sets them apart for that purpose. This is what's so special about this act. That these children later in life, will have been told that Jesus held you once, that he blessed you once, that he set you apart from other children. And do you know why? It's because the parents believed. 
The parents had faith in Jesus to take their children to the only one who could do anything for them. And so one day the parents, the same ones who took their children to Jesus, get to ask them this question. So what's your response? Do you love Jesus too? Are you willing to believe in him and repent of your sins and commit yourself to trust and obey? To to come into the kingdom of God by your profession of faith? And in this way, friends, what is the greater blessing for any parent than the belief of their children? It's not infallible. It may not even guarantee it. We're not even told what happens to these children. It's very possible that some of these children reject Jesus as a lunatic. We don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus loved them enough to bless them. That Jesus told us, do not prohibit, do not prevent them from coming to me. What greater joy What greater comfort can you have in this life? What is better in your imagination than joyful, happy, and safe children? This is what God calls us to, toward our own children, and even toward the orphan in our community, toward the children who don't have parents, The children who don't have love. The children who have never heard of Jesus. Friends, what reasons would we give to Jesus to prevent him from exercising his great joy and desire to bless children? What do you think the disciples said? What do you think caused them to to, to prohibit this? No, Jesus, they're too small. No, Jesus, it's not worth your time. No, Jesus, we're just really protecting you. No, Jesus, they haven't professed faith yet. What reasons, what reasons would we have to not include children in the kingdom that Jesus clearly says is for them? Be careful how you answer that. Because you too are a child. Through the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, you too have been adopted as a son or a daughter into God's family. And the reasons we might give to prohibit children from coming to Jesus may be repeated back to us by our Father, who is in heaven, as a rebuke and a discipline. That we have the opportunity today, now, in this place, to avoid. Right after this service, if it's like every other Sunday, in that field right there, there will be children. And I invite you to go and watch. Go and watch the boo-boos. Go and watch and hear the screams of joy. And think that they're panic. Go and see God's work in providing joy 
to the least of these, to the littlest of ones, and recognize that one day in glory, Jesus Christ will be out there with them. We have the opportunity today to join them or to judge them. Which will you choose? Let's pray. Father, we don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve the gospel. But you have made a kingdom whose king and head loves us as your children and who mysteriously and gloriously loves our children and will love our children's 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 children. We pray, Lord, that you would therefore reorient our minds and reverse our expectations to give us the mind and the eyes and the heart of Jesus Christ toward our children. Would we, as the the people in Nehemiah 10, commit ourselves, would we obligate ourselves now in the words of Jesus Christ to not hinder them from coming to him? Father, would we join them and you in your kingdom forever? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, would you respond to the gospel to Jesus Christ now, to his word to